Live from the next cast, Phanthropological Institute. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and a slice of cherry pie, because today we're talking about Twin Peaks fans. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fan's eye view to you. No preamble today. We are here to talk about Twin Peaks fans, and here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I am pretty much out of my element this week. <laughs> and Nick Z? I am so much in my element right now that I feel like a fish in a percolator. <laughs> I got that reference. Last but not least... <laughs> 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 Last but not least, special guest friend here with us to talk about Twin Peaks fandom, co-host of the Twin Peaks podcast, Matt. Hey. Hello. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Is anybody accompanying themselves with a cup of coffee at this time? I mean, Absolutely. I, I don't drink coffee, so I'm I'm kind of at a double I thought, disadvantage. I, I thought yeah. you might just want, just want to have it for ambience. <laughs> I, kind of bla- I kind of blasphemed right before this. I had chai tea. Ooh. 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 Maybe Cooper, maybe Cooper becomes a tea guy when the in the series uh, back up again. Well, yeah. Well, the log lady gave him tea one time, and he, he was eager to drink it. So I think he's okay with tea. That's true. Just a question as to whether or not the the double R would have something like chai tea. <laughs> a little bit exotic. Every time there was an establishing shot of that diner, I thought it was called a different thing. There's a few there. names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way the letters are are laid out is very confusing <laughs> well it's yeah it's called the marty but also the double r <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Hmm. I, I definitely thought it was t-mar for a while <laughs> okay okay that makes sense <laughs> t is trying to put put all the pieces together i well i ha- oh, this is the whereas, biggest mystery of twin peaks <laughs> <laughs> whereas the three of you might have a big puzzle that's missing a lot of pieces i have like a border of a puzzle <laughs> and i don't know where i put the box maybe i never had the rest of the box who knows <laughs> you have you have entirely pieces that are flipped over to their cardboard side you don't have the box and also you're blind <laughs> are you going to are you going to be doing a lot of live googling to get all our references <laughs> I like many things. I hope that there's just been enough pop culture that's kind of percolated through everything. That ah, I'll just get it percolated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm on it. I'm on this. You're yeah. on it already. Back in the game. All right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of being back in the game, usually uh, we do a little segment called Fan Facts. I don't know. She has this thing. It's great. It's just great. I love it every mm-hmm. time. Um, where we talk a little bit about the fandom in like the baseball card kind of numbers, like quick stats. I'm going to start us off uh, with what I managed to find. In case you didn't know what Twin Peaks was, which is a shame as the revival is starting in the next... As of when this episode airs, I think it's like the week after. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah you got to gotta marathon it. There's less days than there are episodes at this point. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> true. Twin Peaks was a cult TV series that ran for two seasons in the early 1990s, created by David Lynch. It received a film prequel in 1992, Firewalk With Me. And as just mentioned, we'll have a revival later this month on Showtime. The story begins around the murder of a high school homecoming queen and quickly changes to something different entirely. 
<laughs> the show was probably most active when it came out. Uh, again, this is based on the research I was able to find. I tried to get fan demographics. I tried to get any information about the fandom, to be completely honest, and there's likely as much mystery surrounding the fandom as there is surrounding <laughs> the show. Well, that's it then. Show's over. No information about yeah. the fandom. <laughs> now, do, you, do you think that's because it's a pre-internet fandom? Uh, that was one of the interesting things that I found. It's not pre-internet. It's like emergence of the internet as as a common thing. There were fan sites. There were news groups, which uh, we talked about in a previous episode as being like the precursor to forums and things like that. But it was just <laughs> at the cusp where maybe it didn't quite get that kind of following. Yeah. Yeah. I had a few people um, mail into my show and say that they were part of Twin Peaks news groups and they they really liked that time with their uh, close-knit uh, friends on the internet, the primitive internet. <laughs> there was a there was an article uh, that I found on Fanlore that said that there was a zine, and that was the end of the article. <laughs> didn't say the name. Oh. <laughs> the, twi- uh, uh, the Twin Peaks Gazette, I think it was called. Oh, there was wrapped um, in plastic. Yeah. Ooh. More recently, there's a new one called Blue Rose, but... Yes, which is, uh, which is um, made by one of the guys from Wrapped in Plastic john thorne and uh ah. the other guy who made the original wrapped in plastic magazine unfortunately passed away um like maybe mm-hmm. 10 15 years ago what was that yeah. i think i thought it was in 2010 yeah it was a while ago um yeah but uh so the original wrapped in one of the original wrapped in plastic guys is doing it with uh, mm-hmm. another podcast host friend of mine from the red room podcast scott ryan they're doing the blue rose magazine well free plug there scott as in as much as there is a lot of mystery surrounding the fandom i did manage to find some tiny little uh sprinkles as you might say about the fandom uh so i can get an approximate size of the fandom there's about seven thousand followers of the twin peaks festival on twitter uh there's about twenty four thousand subscribed on the subreddit twin peaks looking at imdb about 120,000 people have rated Twin Peaks, which is not as definitive as the other two things, but mm-hmm. does give a better idea of the kind of people that watch Twin Peaks, uh, which, according to the data from IMDb, are skewing towards male and are probably be- the majority of them are between ages 30 to 44. Uh, I try to get some data for a sense of scale ab- about like how many people rate things on IMDb at all. Uh, Batman Begins has about 1 million ratings. Avatar... Uh, not the last airbender what was that avatar the james cameron the blue movie. one yeah the blue <laughs> one has about one million as well the lion king has about seven hundred thousand. x files the tv series has about one hundred sixty thousand. Hmm. um according to the data that's available in google trends interest in twin peaks has basically stayed about the same for the entirety of google trends data which is 2004 to the present except oh, wow. except Ooh. for Starting around 2014, where there was the announcement of yeah. Twin Peaks being revived. Really? Yeah. That's kind of interesting, because I would have thought it would have um, had a little spike around 2010, 2011, when I got into it, when it was, uh, I think that was the year, when it was added to Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would have made uh, a lot of sense. Let me uh, yeah. conveniently <laughs> open this link that I left myself <laughs> and... Uh, See if that works out. Twenty ten. I think that's the year. No. I didn't actually start watching it on Netflix. I had no. like bootleg DVDs, but I believe it, it <laughs> went on Netflix around that time. There, there is a small spike, but the biggest one was by far in. Uh, actually, the announcement was made in October twenty fourteen, and now that I looked at the chart, 
it is definitely October 2014. And then there's a much bigger spike now, like right yeah. now. Yeah, um, it's coming. Fans oh, of yeah. Twin, Twin Peaks come from around the world. Uh, I was reading an article about people going to the festival, and they actually get fans from the UK, Spain, Germany, Poland, Italy, Japan, Russia, Brazil. Yep. Mm-hmm. When you go uh-huh. to the fest, they give you a pamphlet with uh, the names of all the attendees and the countries oh, they're wow. from. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. what? Yeah. Okay. How many, just out of curiosity, Matt, um, do you know how many people regularly attend Twin Peaks Fest? Well, it's capped at 200 people. And uh, uh, oh. ah, okay. for a while, um, they had, you know, like below 100 in attendance. Like it was just like these wow. dedicated few fans who would go and uh, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd all know each other. They'd meet up every year. And then, um, I don't know, probably around 2012 and beyond, it started selling out actually. And now, yeah. uh, the first year I went, it took... I think over a month for the tickets to sell out this year it took less than a day so, <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, the only other bit i have about the fandom was uh just this interesting quote i got usually we give a little detail about how many fanfics are written about mm-hmm. uh, a fandom because it's it's an interesting fact about we talked about curative and transformative fanfics, like people who mostly take the information and curate it and people who try to make it into something new. And Twin Peaks doesn't have a lot of fanfics. On Archive of Our Own, one of the major archives, there's 457, period. Hmm. Uh, and on fanfiction.net, there's 181. And there's this neat wow. quote that I got from the fan lore article related to this. And it goes like this, which is, For the love of cherry pie, why is no one writing me Twin Peaks fix? <laughs> <laughs> the series is going on 15 years, all but passed into media oblivion, and the fan writers have long since migrated to other series, leaving behind only stories fossilized in now inaccessible print scenes since their time was but the dawning of the internet. But still, we're talking one of the worst cliffhangers ever inflicted with no canonical closure ever granted. I need Vic. I crave it. <laughs> I like that. I like that word, inflicted. That's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> By no means could I consider myself or should I be considered a fanfic connoisseur. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like going through the fan lore pages myself, I did find that uh, some of the fanzines they referenced were just strictly fanfic. And at least two of them were like 150 plus page fanfic novels. <whistles> so, I mean, uh, both of which I think came out around 94, 95. So, I mean, I think... It's possible that people who were writing fanfic were the most active when the series was just sort of freshly in their minds in the the early to Mm mid-90s. And the people who were writing it, for whatever reason, decided to put it into a much longer form than what I want to say is your average fanfic of maybe like five to ten thousand words. The only fanfic we ever featured on our show was a slash fic between Cooper and True. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Apparently just, one of the more popular pairings. Yeah, just because it was funny. <laughs> um, my, my favorite little bit from the fan article is a common trope is fix-it fic for the second season finale. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, one of the novels... Um, oh, man. It was, like, it was crazy, but one of the novels called Conjunction, which was 138 pages, written by Anne Brill White. It was It was wild because... 
it's uh it talks about like it continues the series on from the cliffhanger and it has agent dale cooper communicating from his place in the black lodge with somebody on the outside who can help him i'm guessing major briggs since he's also had some experience with the lodges it has a doppel dale tormenting annie dale's love interest um and it has the bank explosion happening and audrey being the only survivor and what i found most interesting about that is that that's pretty much mirrored in uh mark frost's the secret history of twin peaks which just came out this year yeah it seems to be what happened <laughs> yeah so it's just like bizarre how similar those two stories are kind of makes me wonder if mark frost maybe took a little dive into the fanfic at some point and just had those ideas bouncing around his mind well one of the uh, one of like the top articles that I found, like recent articles that I found when mm-hmm. when searching this, like in the news, was that David Lynch loves reading Twin Peaks fan theories. What? <laughs> um, when the original show was on, people people would bring him, him stacks of papers that presumably <laughs> were letters of fan theories. Wow. He said he really liked he likes ambiguity in fiction, yes. <laughs> and that people can read their own things into it. So he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. if Twin Peaks does that, that's that's good. Yeah. How, however, I think before we go any further, we need to revisit our famous last words from last week. Okay. Uh, I'm going to end on mine because I think it gets us into the why. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to start with Z's because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> last week, Z decided rather than making a question okay. for his famous last words to make a statement. And when asked about Twin Peaks, Z said, David Bowie's appearance in Firewalk With Me significantly increased sales of his music. Uh, Matt, can you confirm his ludicrous claim? No, I cannot, but I would highly doubt <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, I, we're on the same page. I'm good with this. What's What What? What came out for Bowie then? Black tie, white noise, was it? Mm. Actually, G. 92? Oh, okay, here we go. All right. Actually, G. <laughs> What's, uh, what possibly a few would consider Mr. David Bowie's career highlight? Tin Machine. Oh was happening in uh, in 91, 92. Tin Machine, for those who aren't familiar with uh, David Bowie's career as a musician, was his band that he had started with a few other English musicians who just got together and, you know, played music that they enjoyed listening to, which was essentially hard rock. The debut album from the band, the first album, I think was just called Tin Machine One, was pretty well received. Um... And I believe that came out in 1990. But the one I focused on was Tin Machine 2, which for the most part was critically panned, hardly made much of a dent in the charts, except for two songs on it, one of which made it to uh, spot number 26, I believe, on the uh, the modern rock chart. And another song got all the way up to number three. Those songs were Baby Universal <laughs> at slot number 21 and One Shot at slot number three. Um, but, uh, you know, is this, uh, this was also a period for David Bowie where he was oh trying to rejuvenate God. himself creatively. And that was part of what, uh, Tin Machine was all about. He wanted to do something that wasn't just him working solo. So at this time he was also in a few movies, one of which was Firewalk With Me. And a little bit about Firewalk With Me in terms of, uh, you know, um, how, how much it, uh, did or did not catch fire with audiences. Uh, it showed in 691 theaters in the States, and it made $1.8 million in its opening weekend, and $4.2 million overall. So, you know, if you assume you know, average ticket prices in the 90s, maybe 
maybe worth five, seven bucks, although I feel like that's optimistic. Um, so probably all right turnouts, but definitely not in the top five. If, uh, call back to an earlier episode of our show, actually, if, uh, if Fantasy Movie League was a thing in the 90s and you put, and you bet on Firewalk with me doing well, you would be very disappointed. So basically, you know, David Bowie was, uh, kind of trying to recover. Firewalk with me was unfortunately itself, uh, not on fire, but as far as audiences and critics were concerned, a pile of ash. So, so it's, it's uh, basically firewalk with me, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, For those of you just the, joining us late, welcome to the David Bowie podcast. See, <laughs> I've been waiting a while to make my rejoinder, and I have to say, it's a shame that you didn't say Chris Isaac instead, because he owns he owes a good deal of, ex- of his success to David Lynch. Oh. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, he's famous for the song Wicked Game, which did not really take off until it was featured in Wild at Heart. Uh, and he was also one of the main guys in Firewalk with me. Hmm. Instead of appearing as five seconds of static or whatever it is <laughs> Bowie did in Firewalk well, with me. Uh, to, to clarify that whole thing, it's actually another FBI agent who was caught in some sort of weird time loop like down in Buenos Aires. And his appearing up there is supposed to be like some weird fold tear in the space-time continuum. You it's know. Not- it's not, not information it. deemed uh, for the audience. <laughs> you got to read into it a little bit. You have to. <laughs> so basically, my statement is completely uh, indefendable. We're all completely shocked here. I know. I, I know. I, I, I know. It was, a, it was a sure thing for sure. But moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's, who's next? I'm going to go with G, and I'm hoping hey. that you have a much shorter answer. <laughs> well, G, uh, your, your question was, did Twin Peaks have a notable effect on coffee and donut consumption in the U.S.? Well, as we all know, correlation equals causation. <laughs> <laughs> and what major coffee chain started its expansion in 1990? A little little place by the name oh, of God. Starbucks. What? Also emerged what? from Washington State. <sighs> And we're through the looking glass here, people. <laughs> Oof. They, they bumped their total stores up from 55 to 84, unveiled their mission statement, and expanded their headquarters in Seattle. Wow. In 1990, the year of Twin Peaks. So by correlation equals causa- causation. <laughs> yes. No information it, on the donuts. Yeah. Okay. It, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't my question to research, but I do casually know through uh, what little of the fandom I do know that uh, when Twin Peaks was first airing and probably when it was also rerunning on bravo um fans would often host parties like viewing parties where they would serve coffee not donuts though but coffee and cherry pie so i'm sure that sales of both coffee and cherry pie went up on like a local kind of level well like the coffee and cherry pie is like the iconic meal at the Mm -hmm. diner but there just were donuts around all the time in that (laughs) show and the fact that they are barely referenced (laughs) makes it even better (laughs) yeah Like just an absurd amount of donuts that cannot possibly be possibly be eaten by the people in the building the donuts were in. Yeah, donuts were way more prolific in the series than pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually one of my favorite things at the festival is just the giant table full of donuts and coffee. Oh my, that sounds incredible. <laughs> 
They always sprinkle like fake uh, bird blood and feathers on it too. Like, Ooh, <laughs> oh, lovely! They use, ra- they use raspberry sauce. Yeah, the most delicious. Yeah, a little reference to uh, yeah to when one of the key witnesses in the case, a bird named Waldo, shot. Mm-hmm. Waldo was a key witness in the case. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought I thought I was saying a, I thought I was purposely mishearing you ridiculously, but no, I was correct. Okay. No, no, we're we're talking about uh, a David Lynch created property yeah, by now. Right. Things might get a little ridiculous. All right, my question, which I think can get us into the why, and hopefully Matt can get you more involved in the conversation. I know it's a bit arduous to to listen to or banter <laughs> it sometimes. No, these are fascinating questions. I wish I had answers. <laughs> okay. This question uh, is definitely of interest to me, being a complete outsider. Uh, I guess being like Coop walking into the mysterious town of, of Twin Peaks. Uh, if Twin Peaks is a show that wrapped up the plot, then kept going, then ended, especially after a huge decline in ratings in the second season, why did it get a sequel? And more broadly, why are fans of Twin Peaks? So what's the question exactly? Uh, what like my my question is why did it get a, a revival? Oh, after twenty five years. Also, why are why are there still fans of it? Yes. Why? I mean, a lot. Of, uh, not a lot of shows have been on the air for like one or two seasons and then have managed to see it come back from the edge. Uh, mm-hmm. Firefly fans are still waiting for that. <laughs> waiting in the wings. Well, I mean, everything's being rebooted, so that could be a factor yeah. in it. And yeah. I just think the just the fact that it had such a crazy cliffhanger is what kept people thinking about it for all these years. Like, uh, yeah, they're just it. The way it ended is just it. Your mind just races with the questions and possibilities of where they mm-hmm. could have gone and what it what it means for the characters. Yeah. Questions aggressively unanswered, I would say, at the at the, uh, the finale of the second season. Because <laughs> I mean, it was originally going to end about six episodes before it actually ended, I believe. And the final six episodes, I think it's six, were only aired thanks to a letter writing campaign. Have you guys heard about that? I I haven't. I just read a little bit about it, but I don't know that much. Yeah, it was a letter-writing campaign called COOP, which stood for Citizens Opposed to the Offing of Peaks. And uh, <laughs> um, they they just sent a deluge of uh, letters um, to the president of ABC, I believe, and uh, they got those final six episodes aired. But if they hadn't done that, it would have ended... Uh, well, for the two of you who have seen it, uh, it, w- it would have ended on the um, episode where Josie is trapped in the doorknob. And I think if that was oh, the wow. final episode and the final thing we saw, I don't think we'd ta- be talking about it right now. <laughs> no, that would have cemented its status as a cult hit, for sure. It, I think it would have cemented the status as a, like just something that went completely off the rails <laughs> and a, just the prime example of a complete failure. Because like that was like... That's the episode where it, like, right after that is where it turns around and gets good again. And, like, if we is were... That to, where, is that where Lynch came back? Um, yeah, he started coming in near the end. Uh, he only directed the last episode, but... Right. Yeah, but the storylines were starting... Those crappy storylines were starting to get cut off and tied up, and they are starting to do something more more interesting again, finally. And then, uh, 
yeah, and then it ended. What's the first part you were saying, T? Like, like it's an enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a plastic sheet, or something. <laughs> I was, I was just saying, Twin Peaks is the show that wrapped up its plot, then kept going, and then ended. That often doesn't happen for shows. They get to the end of a season, or they don't reach the end of a season, like their first season, and then they get canceled. But Twin Peaks didn't have that. It had this mystery about uh, Laura Palmer getting murdered. And then that part of the plot kind of resolves because you find out who the murderer was. But then the show keeps going. But then the show ends and it never, <laughs> never, re- there's all sorts of loose ends that never are resolved. That's what hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why you got to keep a pulse on it. Mm-hmm. Until until they come back in, mm. and reboot. I mean, the reboot is 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 inevitable. It's just like it's now like how what's the quality of the reboot going to be? Who's going to be involved? And it seems like for this one, all of the key players are like Lynch yeah. and Frost and yeah, the majority of the actors. Yeah, if not if not all. Yeah, one of the things that I looked into um, as part of my research was David Foster Wallace's essay. Uh, all of. <laughs> <laughs> oh we gotta do infinite jest fans nope <laughs> joining us today is a sock puppet <laughs> it was the essay that he wrote uh, well on set for uh, for lost highway mm-hmm. uh, and it was called david lynch keeps his head and in it, he mostly talks about, you know, how Lynch is this creator who just creates stuff, doesn't care if people like it, or even if they get it, he just makes it. And he also mentions this other really key aspect of David Lynch's process, so to speak, that for him, he would rather have complete control over what he makes and be paid, you know, just have like the smallest of budgets than have less control or no control but have like one of those huge dune sized budgets. Mm. And I think like uh, part of the revival, um, it was up in the air at one point because David Lynch was like, nah, not going to do it. I think it might've actually been over money, but one way or another. Yeah, it was, I believe it was, it was over. They weren't going to give him the amount of episodes he wanted and they weren't going to give him the budget to film where he wanted. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he, I guess because he couldn't have that absolute control, it was in question for a while. But then he came back after a little bit of a campaign from some of the actors, possibly also some of the fans. It was really so, like a collaboration between the actors and the fans. Yeah. I think the actors, you know, spearheaded it, but, you know, the, they relied on the fans to get the word out and spread it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there does seem to be a lot of that, actually. Uh, a lot of collaborating between fans and the the actors from the show yeah they're they're usually pretty uh, approachable um a lot of them are up for up for podcast interviews if you offer it to them a lot of the time and you know not not like cool. the biggest actors in the in it but yeah you don't just call up the mayor of portland and uh, <laughs> no get him on the phone um curious matt if you know anything about this but what like how much of what Twin Peaks ultimately was that that thirty episodes, you know, with like after we find out Lord Palmer's killer, it it continues on. How much of that was just like TV at the time? 
because now it would be like we have a story to tell we'll make a tv show that tells that story whereas then it seemed there was a more imperative just like once you have a hit tv show you just keep making episodes until it's not a hit tv show i'm not sure the i'm not sure the exact question who had more control over it like the network or them or like did it start that you know second season with all the weird storylines starting after you find out um who the killer is was that more because of the network or were there more stories that that they that was to definitely because of the network that was because the network made them reveal the killer way ahead of time and so they had mm. no stories ready to go so the middle of the second season just floundered because you know they were left without uh you know the thing that they thought was going to be the main thrust of the season was resolved in the first quarter of the season and then they had to just make it up as they went along basically because <laughs> i remember watching through it and i'm like oh okay i guess that wraps that up but there's more mm-hmm. and then you know yeah it definitely would have been better to save it for the end of the season and then go from there but they were just they were starting to lose ratings and they really wanted to uh, get people back, and so they wanted to solve this mystery. Mm-hmm. Oh man! And uh, yeah, solving the mystery didn't really help the ratings. Maybe that one episode, and then it just kept, <laughs> kept going <laughs> down. Everybody was like, "Everybody was like, oh, okay, that's uh, <laughs> yeah." I'm glad we got a resolution to that. Next thing, <laughs> change the channel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of wonder. I mean, because apparently David Lynch never wanted to reveal who the killer was. I kind of wonder if he had gotten his way. Would it ever remained as popular a show, or would the audience just get fed up and say, "You're not going to tell us who the killer is"? Change the channel. Yeah, yeah, that's the question. I don't know. I don't think it would be mm-hmm. good to never reveal the killer, but I think they definitely did it too early. Yeah. Well, it was like the controlled madness of David Lynch versus like TV, <laughs> whereas he was probably put under more more constraint than he was used to being put under. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, like you have so. to you have to explain why things are happening to people. You have to, you know. <laughs> they can't all be ramped shots and, you know, drawer pulls. Drawer pulls? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People getting trapped right. in drawer pulls. Yeah. yeah. You know, the thing you use to pull a drawer open? Like you do. Like a knob? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You never been trapped in one of those? Okay, see, now, now I'm definitely out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a fan term, by the way. That is just another name <laughs> for a doorknob. Okay. I'm going to send you a picture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, oh, man. Was this the first mystery box show? Mystery box? Does anybody know what I mean by mystery box? Like, nope. Lost was a mystery box. Oh. It, was like, it starts off with, like, what is going on? Maybe you'll find out what's going on if you continue to watch. There was, uh, I was definitely reading a little bit ab- about that, um... If it was, it would have worked very... That was probably one of the reasons why it was so effective in this time. Because now, the problem with puzzle box shows is that you can just binge watch the whole thing. I mean, you can do that with Twin Peaks as well, but when that was being made, you had to wait a week to see how the puzzle started to unravel. Whereas now, if you want to marathon the six seasons of Lost, you can just do that over a weekend. Yeah. When I was reading the synopsis to... Twin Peaks, I was reminded of Stranger Things, or rather I should say that Stranger Things probably reminded other people of of Twin Peaks. <laughs> well, in what way? Uh, I mean, in particular, the end of the second season. Sleepy small town and freaky things going on. I mean, yes, yeah. All right, let's see this thing that 
<laughs> that posted to me. Oh boy, it was very early CG. <laughs> it looks oh, yeah. It looks terrible in motion. Uh, <laughs> what am I looking at? Yeah, <laughs> that is. I, I guess have that's I got, a person's have face. I got the show for you. That's somebody oh. trapped in a doorknob. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> because that happened. Uh, All right. That definitely sounds pretty strange. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, basically, it was just because, like, the woods in Twin Peaks are evil, and that wood is uh, must have been manufactured in Twin Peaks, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> there was not a lot of explanation. No. A lot of Twin Peaks. Um, how much of the fandom is, is getting into uh, other work by Lynch? Mm, I'd say, like, the devoted fans, all of them are Lynch fans. <laughs> okay. Like, I can't say all of them, really, but basically all of them. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who isn't a fan or wouldn't be a fan of Lynch, who's a mega fan of Twin Peaks, stopped watching the show <laughs> or stopped caring about it long ago. The only people That's who fair. still care are the ones who are all in on David Lynch. Fair. That's in my opinion, anyways. <laughs> yeah. I was just wondering if, if there's anyone for whom Twin Peaks is not Lynch enough. <laughs> People who only like Inland Empire. <laughs> Which is pure unbridled Lynch, and I really don't like it. <laughs> it's quite long, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's like three hours. Three hours oh. of just randomness. Shot on DV tape. <laughs> wow. Cool, an article I read. I think that's the one he was talking about that listed all the countries that uh, attend the, the Twin Peaks Fest. We're talking about how when the whole thing came out on Blu-ray, it was another uh, opportunity for people to like freeze frame and be like, oh, what's the title of that book <laughs> in the background? And like what, yeah. like looking for every little clue. Because, I mean, the mystery isn't who killed Laura Palmer because we found that out. But it's like there's a lot of just what is Twin Peaks? Yeah. Or like what's this little corner of the world mean? Or why did she get sucked into a drawer pull, et cetera, et cetera. Like. Well, the central mystery that drove the show ended, the show itself is just a bigger mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these, these fans are like, they're all fans of, the crazy fans, they're fans of things that are, you know, like abstract and beautifully dark and all that kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. There's no clear answers in this show. <laughs> you, gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta use your noggin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How much do you think that, like, that's a sort of shared quality between Twin Peaks fans that they like enjoy shows that challenge them to actually think about what's going on. You know, I when I'm with Twin Peaks fans, I I, I don't know if I've really talked enough about other TV shows with them <laughs> to see any like threads in common that they have. Like mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've talked about Buffy with some people or Deadwood with other yeah. people, but I never like I never really see the same thing come up over and over. Mm -hmm. I'm, there's probably just generally fans of just genre TV, you know, just all the nerdy. Yeah. Probably specifically supernatural stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely no shortage of supernatural TV shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, back when it first came out, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I was going to say, it didn't seem like there was anything remotely like this on TV when it came out. Yeah, I was just listening to a different Twin Peaks podcast today, and I'm going to steal this quote be from them because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's right? a very good quote. Because, like, basically, back then, it was very different to have this sort of thing. But nowadays, 
people would be like, hey, I'm, uh, you want to do a cop show? And uh, the executives would be like, oh, yeah, great. But maybe he's a ghost, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's like nowadays. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that basically like uh, R.I.P.D.? With yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that, that sounds like what that is. Oh, okay. Oh, it's uh, it's Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges, and uh, there's some sort of police department, but for the undead or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't actually seen the movie. I just remember seeing uh, ads for it and being like, "Oh, okay. it's like how the Men in Black are the FBI for aliens." Right. Yeah. These are the cops for corpses. <laughs> Perfect um, tagline. That is a good. T- that would have been a better title <laughs> than RIPD. Yeah. Is it the Rest in Peace Department or is it some other? <laughs> it's time where we Google things on the. There was an. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say. I an av club article not that long ago that's like stop reimagining things as police procedurals because <laughs> that's what grim is right mm-hmm. yeah it's like fantasy csi fantasy yeah. csi there was an interesting quote that i came across which i think was also from that article about people visiting you know the town the twin peaks was filmed in talking about the twin peaks festival and I, I don't know how true it rings with the, the three of you having all watched Twin Peaks, but I was wondering what mm-hmm. you think about it. Uh, the quote goes, Freud would call it a repetition compulsion, the urge to reenact and relive scenes of trauma in hopes of attaining a feeling of mastery over the material. This was in reference to, you know, why people keep coming back to the festival and why they are fans of a thing. Because they get traumatized there? What? Well, it it's like a yeah. means of understanding. It's like, well... You know, I'm going to put in particular was talking about why people would do things like um, dress up in like ridiculous costumes. I don't mean to say the costumes are ridiculous. I mean, uh, people would dress up as like the tape recorder. Yeah. Or the (laughs) the fan. Yeah. (laughs) And that people would uh, the, the person who wrote this article is suggesting that it's like, well, maybe people are doing this to kind of like re experience this thing that they love. So that they understand it better. I think they're just running out of costumes. They've all been done. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite costumes was Diane, which was just a woman in like a a FBI outfit, except she had no face. (laughs) What? (laughs) That is. Wow. That is charmingly beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Like within the spirit of Twin Peaks. Yeah. It also fits so well with the canon since there's that bit from uh, the missing pieces where we see Diane from the back. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I mean, uh, we've yeah. seen, we've seen, uh, or I've also seen people dress up as canned corn, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, a literal ceiling fan was one of the ones when I was there. Awesome. Pretty, pretty creative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You got 200 um, people over there in Snoqualmie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone wants to dress as a different thing, you know. <laughs> you got to start looking. I mean, hopefully eventually they have enough stuff that they can just, like, recreate a room, but with people in costume. I I don't know. I, I think that there's, like, as a sort of general, getting back to your question, T, as a sort of a general statement about fandom, I think there, there could be something there, you know, that you you repeatedly look at something to sort of dig deeper each time 
like specifically with Twin Peaks, I think it's probably something really easy to do with a show just because, you know, as we've, as we've said a few times now, there are just so many mysteries aside from who killed Laura Palmer, which is the only mystery that really gets solved. Yeah. People love to talk about the, the mysteries that don't get solved. There's tons of (laughs) YouTube essays out there that are really interesting (laughs) to watch. Cool. It's, it's a lot like actually the great game when we covered Sherlock yeah people are trying to figure out like how about watson is actually a real person and arthur conan doyle was his literary agent or something like that mm-hmm. they're trying to look for you know clues in the way you know different stories are are written differently and stuff like that except twin peaks is wide open wide open for yeah. interpretation <laughs> <laughs> i have to imagine like sharing those interpretations are um a core, a core fan activity. Like the original uh, thrust of your podcast was was two of you have seen Twin Peaks, two and two of you haven't, right? Yep, yep. So, like, how many times did it come up where where people hadn't come up with like a completely different idea of something that that you'd seen uh, a bunch of times before? Uh, like they just took it in a different way, or they are we talking about predictions? No, just like they they saw something in the show and 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 got completely different. Um, ideas from it than you did oh um well my podcast was made in like 2011 so it was quite a while ago now but i'm gonna say quite often (laughs) everyone's got their own different takes on this Uh, i i I believe i remember being surprised by some of the things they thought uh, about uh, some of the things that happened in the show it was a it was a lot of fun to introduce people to the show and see how they take it they either love it or they hate it (laughs) I the mean, that, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I could potentially see the hate. But, uh, so it was hard to not do research this week without coming across people who hate <laughs> Twin Peaks. I mean, it's it's true of any any particular fandom. When you look up why do people love this, you inevitably find people who are like, why do people love this? I hate this. Um, so there were a lot of reasons that people cited, you know, bad acting and cheesiness and, and whatever. But one thing as I was reading some of that and then reading some of the synopsis, um, we've got Coop, who's this FBI agent who also kind of believes in the, the, the paranormal, I guess he's like a Scully esque kind of character. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think he does his job? That seems very suspect. Yeah. That's one of the, the, the themes that we, we picked up on one of the things. One of my, my co-host, co-host Brad picked up on really, is and that I never really uh, questioned the first couple times I watched the show was just how bad Cooper is at his job and how even <laughs> how even worse than Cooper uh, Sheriff Truman is at his job and the only competent one there is really uh, Deputy Hawk who gets everything done yeah. and brings new information to the table for the, for our quote unquote heroes I, I mean like Cooper is a charming guy and uh, he's funny. And his childlike wonder is uh, infectious, but he's a he's a <laughs> agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just relies on his dreams and like throwing rocks at bottles and like it's his intuition. Yeah, he even it... yeah he even admits it at one point in one of the episodes. He's like, I've relied on you know bureau method and luck and intuition and Tibetan method, and now I need some magic. And I'm like, uh, just you know, do proper detective work, please. I'd like, I'd like to see him solve one other case. Yeah, 
outside of Twin Peaks just for like like a control to see you know if this is how he usually operates or if, or if this requires something something special as soon as I saw him like throwing the rocks at the bottles I was like okay I'm all in on this shit yeah it's it's <laughs> it's great to watch I love it to watch but when you really think about it it's no way to conduct yourself <laughs> well I don't know I mean I kind of I kind of feel like maybe Dale was put on this case specifically because of like his methods are so unorthodox. They're so sort of reliant on the supernatural. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a Twin Peaks theory podcast, but yeah, you do. Just like <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that Dale's there because it's a weird supernaturalish case. And yeah, maybe it's one of the Blue Rose cases. Yeah, in this world, his method works. There's no denying that. But mm. it it mm. does seem to be a lot of luck. Like he. You know the the, gi- oh, yeah. the giant in the red room spirits come to him, <laughs> like he didn't cause mm-hmm. that. You know, but uh, mm-hmm. I just love Albert and Hawk because they get stuffed up. Yes, <laughs> yeah, especially Albert with that speech about living peaceably. The show always goes goes one step further. Like they didn't have to introduce that sort of you know idea to a character like that, but. There's always there's always a second side that is not necessarily immediately relevant, but it's like oh that guy's kind of an interesting character. There's yeah. a lot of interesting characters. One of my favorite was David Duchovny in drag as Denise Bryson. <laughs> that was one of the reasons <laughs> cited to watch. <laughs> Worth it. Yeah, I love that character. Yeah, yeah. She she comes in sort of near the end of the well near the middle of the second season, but still worth it. Yeah, yeah, and they they pretty much treated the character fairly for an early 90s tv show with a like yeah basically a trans character in it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um one of the things in plus what you're saying to you about like like the hammy acting and stuff like that caesar i found i found a thread called why is the show twin peaks considered such a classic on r out of the loop yep that was the one mm-hmm. i came across yeah and user i probably ate it <laughs> spelled with an eight um, pointed out in particular, like if you have someone who's just playing it straight, playing against someone in a scene with someone who's doing really hammy acting, that's a really good way to like show that things are like not right, like things are unsettling. <laughs> and now that I think about it, is why I don't like Blue Velvet. Kalbaglaka <laughs> hmm. is playing like a pretty deliberately subtle wooden, and Dennis Hopper and uh, Isabel Rosalina are just like off the walls <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and, I was like, and I didn't I didn't get it and then there's Invitation to Love which I also don't I know it's connected but I it doesn't make sense well it's just like to me. Twin Peaks itself is kind of like making a statement on sometimes it's making a statement on soap operas of the day and then Invitation to Love is like mm-hmm. the show within the show that's taking that to the extreme <laughs> One of my favorite parts is when a certain character gets shot and then he's looking at the TV and Invitation to, to Love is playing and the character that's basically him in that show also gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the opening to the show is like like soap opera to a T. Just mm-hmm. like panoramic shots of, of the sleepy logging town with like the, the swelling music and all that. Like it's, yeah. It doesn't seem like the opening of like the freaky show that it is. If, if it were made now, it would just have a freaky noise that lasted like two seconds. <laughs> it would basically be the opening to Lost. Yep. Yeah. 
That's one of the things I like about it so much is the setting. I love the Pacific Northwest, the spooky woods and the quaint little towns and uh, the like a uh, simple townsfolk. I love that that whole kind of vibe. But well, that was uh, nothing pointed out in this thread is that that was kind of in the air at the time. Mm-hmm. 1990, like grunge coming to the fore, uh, Microsoft not far behind, and and Starbucks coffee. Let's not forget. All coming out of um, Seattle. Hmm. I realized Twin Peaks doesn't take place in Seattle, but it's the it's the Northwest. In real life, uh, the place where it was filmed is about half an hour east of Seattle. Okay, so pretty close. Hmm. Also, it's lascivious depiction of Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One Eye Jacks is the only place that I go in that's in Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. Specifically to Matt, although I guess uh, G and myself can chime in as well. Thank you. What's your earliest memory of seeing Twin Peaks? Um, I got into it, like I said before, through um, burnt DVDs uh, around 2011. I'd I'd always heard of it, you know, my whole life. I was born in 1982, Mm -hmm. so I've I've always heard it. Uh, I never really knew the difference between... Twin Peaks and Cape Fear. I always got them mixed up in my, oh, my okay. mind. <laughs> um, they're just similar sounding things. I didn't even know yeah. if they were shows or movies or what. I just heard them. And then a friend of mine lent me the DVDs that he had in 2011. And I uh, watched them together with um, my brother and my wife. And my... I think that's it. Just the three of us. And we watched the, uh, the whole thing and just... I don't know. We just got into it. I don't know why it gripped us so immediately, but it did. And um, the funny thing is I actually found out later, many years later, when I was, like, trying to use those files to, like, edit things together that they were actually playing in, like, a slightly higher speed. It was, like, 1.15 or something. (laughs) So, like... Yeah, they actually went... Like, uh, the episodes were uh, five minutes shorter or something than they should be just because it was playing faster and i got to use i got used to cooper's voice being slightly higher as a a result of that (laughs) oh wow (laughs) so then you got to watch the entire thing again for the first time when you (laughs) i remember him being much more like helium sounding (laughs) (laughs) all the pauses are 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 spaced unnaturally yeah (laughs) no it was just a little bit faster i don't know why like why it was like that I I can't remember. I think it was like myself and my girlfriend at the time were just like, let's watch that Twin Peaks thing. What year was this? We've, um, I want to say, oh nine, ten, maybe. That's a very rough estimate. But I remember we watched the. Uh, I think it was the premiere, the first the the <laughs> extra long, it's like movie length, uh, pilot episode. Oh, you watched the one with the tacked-on ending? Hmm? Like, you watched the, yeah, the European pilot with the ending? Oh, I, no, I don't think so. Oh, I, just, okay. I just mean, like, the pilot's, like, double length, is it not? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I just mean, so it's just, like, the pilot episode, but we were at her cottage in, like, the little cabin next to it in the <laughs> woods in the dark. And we were both, <laughs> we both watched it in the dark, and we were like, you want to watch more <laughs> and we eventually did um but that's that's kind of how we were intru- it was just like i've heard a lot about this thing to, it seems pretty good and i will say i think it like it kind of holds up 
like it doesn't seem as dated as other shows from the time. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think writing wise, it's still really strong. Yeah. Um, what about you, Z? <laughs> well, as has been alluded to, and I think even mentioned, um, gee, you were the one who got me into this into this mess. Got me into Twin Peaks. You're welcome. <laughs> Man, um, I'm trying to remember if it was my first watch through or not, but like the most distinct early memory I have of seeing the series was around uh, 2010, possibly 2011. It probably was my first watch through. Anyway, um, I remember having it playing. It must have been on my laptop because I didn't have a smartphone at the time. While I was unpacking, because I just moved uh, moved back in with my parents after grad school. Oh, you missed so many details, eh? Hmm? You're unpacking <laughs> while you're watching Twin Peaks. <laughs> anyway, go on. I was gripped. I was riveted. I was watching the pilot, actually. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the first episode. It was the one with the with the little um, court scene, where the log lady's flicking the lights on and off. Yeah, that's in the pilot. Yeah. A lot happens in the pilot. Yeah. On on uh, later viewings, I've noticed a lot happens in the pilot. Although I, I have yet to see the European pilot, which Matt mentions has an extra ending tacked onto it. Yeah, if you watch that, you're going to be royally confused if you move on to episode <laughs> two and you didn't know that you've done yeah. that. Cause... Oh, it didn't end. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? They caught the guy, though. He He died. <laughs> but uh the the the, uh little epilogue to that european pilot is what's used in episode three as cooper's dream though so that's just something that he filmed for that and then he's like i really like what i did there i'm gonna stick it in episode three (laughs) it's a dream now (laughs) yeah let's make it just make it a dream that's fine it doesn't have to go in anywhere which is funny because in the original european pilot it's it doesn't say it's a dream. It's just like they <laughs> they catch this guy. They uh, like he dies, the murderer, and then it says twenty five years later, and suddenly the world, uh, everybody's talking backwards, and uh, there's you know there's red curtains everywhere, and uh, people there's music and people are dancing and yeah that's that's the world we live in now twenty five years later apparently. <laughs> Man, <laughs> a stark dystopian vision of the future. <laughs> Jazz dystopia. <laughs> Depends how much you you like that gum you like. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I have a question for you. If the revival of Twin Peaks answers literally every question you have, will you continue to watch it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I assume it'll yeah. introduce new questions. <laughs> 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 no, it only answers all existing questions. It's literally yeah. six episodes of Q and A. It's it's a uh, it's just, or it's eighteen episodes of uh, one character just giving us all the exposition about what happened. Just just reading from a from a notebook. It's all it's all yeah. It's one character reading Wikipedia of the town. <laughs> so this happened, then this happened, then this happened. The end. Bye. <laughs> We'll just mean we'll talk about about fans like like keeping keeping the world alive, keeping the world open because there's so much that's unknown. I'm just curious as to how vital that unknown is to enjoying Twin Peaks. Uh, for some people, it's probably pretty vital. For me, I, I don't 
think it's vital. I mean, I don't. I we'll see how I feel if everything. I mean, it's, it's hard to have Twin Peaks apart from questions or on you know. Yeah, mystery, yeah, mystery is a big part of it. That's a <laughs> huge part of it. But I, I assume you're talking about if, like, by the end of the season, there's no new cliffhanger, no new mystery to think about. Will I still be invested? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> David Lynch is involved. <laughs> you but, think it'll but, end, uh, end on a cliffhanger, possibly still, or uh, or absolutely. just some sort of open-ended. I, I can't imagine he has anything but absolute and complete freedom to do whatever he wants with this series. Yeah. I'm not sure if I want it to continue after a third season or not. We'll see. Do you, when, it, when it was first announced, were you were you pro this revival? Yep, yep, yep. I wasn't one of those people who was like, you know, uh, leave it how it was. It was perfect. We don't need to know. <laughs> who? None of those people are saying that now, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that was just all people were saying that when people when other people were like they should revive the show and then you know like no no stupid <laughs> as perfect as it was yeah it was perfect <laughs> now those people are freaking freaking out too so <laughs> they've already got their pie and coffee ready <laughs> that's right so Matt if you had to narrow down to a like just a single aspect of the Twin Peaks fandom. What part of the Twin Peaks fandom would you say is your favorite? My favorite? Um, I like just, this is probably a personal one, I guess, just because podcasting about it and being in touch with the listeners <laughs> of my show and then that getting me motivated to go to the fest and meet all these people and then have them on my show and just these like little secret mega fan Facebook groups that I'm a part of and stuff, you know, that, you know, <laughs> just not anyone can join. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that close knit, um, fan community is what I love the most. And like, I was lucky enough to just get in there at the end before Twin Peaks blew up again. You know, these people, have oh, been, yeah. these people have been fans since it aired in the nineties. I came in around 2011 and then by like maybe 2014 or so people were, it just started blowing up and you know these i guess it's kind of elitist but i i i enjoy the these few fans that i've that i've met so just the people is what i enjoy the most the people i've met yeah it definitely sounds like it's a really close-knit fan uh community because i mean one of the things that uh i was shocked by and it sounded like uh t and g were also shocked by is that a lot of the twin peaks fan sites don't have any forums yeah, the the only one I really go to is yeah. Dugpa, I believe is. Ah, uh, yeah. Dugpa forums, yeah. But I mean, like the what I would consider to be one of the bigger Twin Peaks fan sites, Welcome to Twin Peaks, is pretty much just like a news blog. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, by a guy named Pete, who I I've had on my show and I've met him at the at the fest. He's a nice guy. From interviews and and such that I've read, he sounds like a good guy part two of that question now if there was one thing about the twin peaks fandom community that you could change what would it be if anything that's uh that's yeah. how that's <laughs> i'm how, intrigued now that's how ridiculous people get with just worshiping the ground that lynch walks on and like mm. he can do no wrong and if you criticize <laughs> him in any way they will destroy you or try to like like yeah we oh. i try to like i don't i like lynch i like his movies i love twin mm -hmm. peaks i then 
we we reviewed the whole series. We loved it. We watched the movie. We loved it. We read the mm-hmm. Secret Diary. We loved it. Throughout, we you know we kind of poked fun here and there, but overall, we loved yeah. it. My my newbie co-host said it's one of their favorite TV shows of all time now, and all that. Then we went on because people asked us to. We we went on to review the films, and we didn't love all the films. We were really scathing on some <laughs> of the films. And just that was enough to get us bombarded with one-star oh, no. iTunes reviews and just tanked oh, our, wow. our uh, iTunes ratings and just, like, oh, messages goodness. all the time, emails, tweets, you know, just relentless hounding of we're not real fans, we're just doing this to uh, hate on it. And I'm like, why would I make a podcast <laughs> specifically to hate to yeah. on something I don't like? Like... Uh, and it's just really there's some strange people out there who are obsessive and I don't like those people so I'd change them <laughs> okay fair enough as you can tell I get heated because it got personal <laughs> well I mean it's it's like it like geez Louise <laughs> yeah it's called the yeah. Twin Peaks podcast mm-hmm. even the newest the... the newest book though me and my co-hosts we read the newest book and we really didn't like it Mm -hmm. and some people can't (laughs) handle that (laughs) yeah if i may uh, pontificate for a second um (laughs) that's one of the things that has often prevented me from engaging in fandom more than i do not counting this show is just like the the wholesale everything to do with this is great Mm. if you if you knock it like the lack of criticism yeah, because I'm I'm critical of of what I consume, whether I like it or not, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Some people just like it; just has to be a love fest, or they're not interested. And I don't I don't get that part, and I'm not I'm not interested in that. Namely, what what's kept me out of I don't know mm. some Doctor Who fandom and stuff like that. <laughs> the joy of Doctor Who is that it's half crappy. <laughs> I think. All right. I want to go to in or out. In or out. So in or out is the part of the show where we talk about, you know, are you going to participate more in the fandom? Or if you aren't already, like for in my case, uh, are you going to start, you know, watching the show or reading whatever happens to be out there? You know, it's more like, are you going to be more into the thing or less into the thing? Uh, I'm going to start with, I think we should we should finish off with Matt as a nice little capstone. I'm going to start with Z, because I feel like okay. he's going to go on for a while. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe I will. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in or out, I'm definitely still in in terms of continuing to watch Twin Peaks. Um, I, like, looking back now, I couldn't tell you why I decided to start watching it through once a year but i still really enjoy it even even on my most recent watch through there were things that i was picking up on things that i hadn't noticed before it's just it's just a show that keeps on giving you know so i'm definitely in on that aspect as far as uh getting a little bit more involved with the fandom maybe maybe visiting our twin peaks and posting over there or or signing up for for dugpa and checking out those forums it's something that i'd i'd like to do but i feel like i'd probably go through a little bit of a period of just lurking first to get a sense of you know the tone if 
feel. Because I've, I've got a few theories. I'm still lurking on something awful. <laughs> now it's been 10 years. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd want to set myself some kind of a time limit. Yeah. So I could dive in eventually. I feel like... I feel like part of the... Like, compared to a lot of the other fandoms that we've covered on this show, Twin Peaks fandom, despite the internet now being this huge, uh, interconnected information superhighway that it is... <laughs> You know, um, it's a series of tubes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Exactly, it's a series of tubes. Anyway, <laughs> despite all of that, Twin Peaks fans still seem to primarily communicate like in person. So it it's it just feels like it's hard to get a sense of them from the internet realm, which is the only. Uh, access point to the Twin Peaks fandom that I have living get to get here to that fest. They've got their all they're all squirreled <laughs> away in these little secret uh, Twin Peaks covens. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just have to learn some secret knocks. But, I mean, but you got to make sure you don't knock on the knockers that are like people's faces because they're <laughs> trapped inside a door. You got to grab the right drawer pull. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah, that's right. Mm. Twin Peaks. And I might have Christmas to watch this Carol. again. <laughs> Yeah, okay. But yeah, out of curiosity, do you do it at the same time every year? No. Okay. No. This year, I mean, the thought crossed my mind that I could try to do it around the time where the series is supposed to take place. Um, February, I believe. Yeah, late February, early March. Yeah. But sometimes it's during the summer. Sometimes it's during the winter. I'm definitely in, though. All right. Uh, in a shocking turn uh i'm going to transform into a giant griffin and eat <laughs> the head in of a tree in the symbol no uh i'm i'm gonna go next uh i'm out uh, i i'm on this weird line where i'm kind of it like i read the synopsis for the two seasons and it starts off sounding reasonable and then very quickly gets into this strange x-files-esque kind of description and i was like do i want to watch this <laughs> am, I, am I just going to watch this out of like morbid curiosity and then just to say that I saw it? I think I'm much more likely to continue on with something like Stranger Things or a more modern show just because it's taken everything that has kind of Twin Peaks is set up and puts it into a more accessible format. I don't know. When I was doing the research for yeah. this episode, I kind of got the impression that what makes Twin Peaks so great is that it was very novel at the time. And if you kind of grew up hearing about that or, or anything about that and hadn't seen anything today, it had that novelty. But now I feel like looking back on it, I would just be like, man, this is really campy. Okay, I've got a pr proposal for you. you. Okay, I'm listening. You watch the first three episodes, and if you're not in, then you can stop. Okay. That's all you need to do, just three episodes. Most people... If they the, that the famous dream sequence is in the third episode, and okay. uh, if you're if that like makes you do a big nope, then uh, yeah, then uh, then we'll know and you, you'll know and you won't have to wonder anymore. That's fair. Um, okay, so apparently I need to watch those two episodes of Supernatural that I still haven't watched yet. Yep, and yep. then I need to watch <laughs> the first three Piling episodes. By the end of the season, I'm going to have, like, a whole viewing library. Oh, my yes. <laughs> then you can do a report yeah. when you watch them all in a day. 
<laughs> okay, I'll just clearly just have multiple <laughs> televisions and just watch them all simultaneously. Silver style. G, uh, <laughs> are you in or out? Well, I mean, to add to, you know, you said you read the summary. Uh, Twin Peaks is a feast for the senses. There's some <laughs> freaky stuff, both oh, yeah. both sound-wise and visually, that just uh, that that catch you off guard, and we would definitely not expect to see on broadcast television. Yeah, um, not even now. Yeah, some of the stuff even now is like, wow, I can't believe this was on TV. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just dude coming at the camera without moving his face, <laughs> like that's just <laughs> still freaky. It's just little things like that. The final episode is the, I think, the greatest episode of television I've ever seen. So, <laughs> and it's <laughs> sentiments like that that make me say, uh, "I'm in," because <laughs> um, I watched it a single time and I was like, "That was very good," and then I put it down, and that was a while ago now, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I really did enjoy it, and it sounds like there there would be lots to glean from a second, and I assume third, fourth, and fifth uh, viewing. As well as, you know, getting ready for the revival. Because I feel like, you know, I'm going to have to be pretty familiar with the material. I feel like they're not going to be like, okay, let's catch you up <laughs> on Twin Peaks to this point. It doesn't seem like that. They've got, like, no. they've got the smallest actors. Like, like tiny bit parts in the original series are returning. Like, just the, <laughs> the cook from the Double R Diner, who was at one close-up <laughs> in the movie. He's back. <laughs> you know? I, I feel like, like, at one point, a lot of hay was made about the size of the IMDb page. Yeah. For the series. It was like, look at all the people that are going to be in, like, in addition to all people that were in the original show, like, a lot of, a lot of guests and celebrities, I'm pretty sure, who I mm-hmm. assume are fans, or at least are willing to be in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am. Uh, I'm in. I like. I'm also very curious to read, uh, despite its foibles, the secret history of Twin Peaks. Nah. <laughs> well, it's read read read, uh, read Laura Palmer's secret diary instead. It's much better. Okay. <laughs> I also feel like I'm responsible for most of Z's Twin Peaks literature. <laughs> yes, you are. Because <laughs> I think Except... I got you both. I think I got you both of those. You did, yes. <laughs> Except for the, for the ro- most recent addition to my collection. The Twin Peaks FAQ. Managed to snake it from <laughs> chapters, actually. Oh, is it a new yeah, book? It's got, uh, pardon? Is it a new book? It is a new book, yeah. Oh, never mind. Uh, by, oh, yeah, it's by this publisher called Applause. I feel like there there are a series of whatever FAQ books. There are. Because I have Prog Rock FAQ. I think I'm thinking of the Twin Peaks All Access Guide is pretty rare. Mm, It was like a book that was done by an actual travel guide company for this fictitious town. What? That sounds really cool. Cool. Um, Matt, it may surprise you to learn uh, that so far on the show, not a single guest has been out of the fandom we brought them on to cover. I'm out. I've done all I can do. I've consumed everything. (laughs) I'm afraid the new season will taint my memories. I'm out. <laughs> My childhood. <laughs> no, I'm oh, in. No, I'm in. I'm going to podcast the new season, you know, consume every bit of it. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm trying to figure out if that was a Lynchian twist or a M. Night Shyamalan kind of twist. Shyamalan. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. getting that vibe. M. Night Shyamalan presents Twin Peaks.
Would that be great or would that be awful? It'd be awful. Wasn't that I Lonely mean, Pines? Who knows? Oh, yeah. Wayward Pines? <laughs> Wayward Pines. Wayward Pines, yeah. There's also Hemlock Grove, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> the video game Alan Wake is surprisingly really uh, inspired by Twin Peaks. It's actually really good. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, there's mm-hmm. something I can probably get into. <laughs> there's also Deadly Premonition. Yeah, that too. It doesn't play play as well as Alan Wake, but it's way more on the no. nose with its Twin Peaks references. Oh, yeah. It's my life. <laughs> Matt, would you like to plug uh, what you are currently uh, involved in and working on on the internet? Sure. I'm currently involved in the Twin Peaks podcast, obviously. Um, there's, like, a lot of Twin Peaks podcasts now, but when I started, there was none. Mm-hmm. That's why I got the name The okay. Twin Peaks Podcast. You got you got that top-level uh, name. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to listen to a Twin Peaks podcast. Oh, there are none. Well, I guess I have to start one. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was my first podcast, and um, I'm on the Defenders podcast, which is about the Netflix Marvel series, um, currently, hey. re- currently reviewing Iron Fist. Uh, also on uh, Matt is Wrong About Games, which is about video <laughs> games. And then I'm on a, one about one game in particular uh, called the Shenmue AM2 podcast, which is about the video game Shenmue. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, really specific. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and um, I'm on Hooplecast, which is a Deadwood podcast. We've finished reviewing Deadwood, and now we're reviewing the pilot of every HBO drama series <laughs> in chronological <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I like that. Both the successes and the failures, I assume. Yeah, all of them. Yep. Man. Uh, and uh, in the past, I was also on Intro to Briscoe, which is a Briscoe County Junior podcast. But we ran out of stuff to podcast about, so that's that one's over. Oh. <laughs> and there could be more that's... I'm missing. I can't. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> Sounds like you were just like talking into a mic at all times, <laughs> and yeah. just like who who you're talking to and what you're talking about just changes slightly. Yeah, I do a lot of guesting on podcasts too. So. <laughs> well thank you for coming on no problem this was fun yeah thanks very much this, uh, you guys have a, a unique uh, theme here with talking about fandom only that's pretty uh, pretty cool well we want you know oh, thanks we want to take one step outside or like matter because that's you know, that's like what we're interested in mm. is you know why people love mm-hmm. the stuff they love and why we love them <laughs> if someone wants to start phanthropological illogical yeah <laughs> Oh boy. As for us, you can find the podcast at uh, fanthropological.com. You can also find us on iTunes, where we would love it if you would uh, subscribe or give us a rating and review. Uh, you can find us at YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at the NixCast. And you can also uh, go to patreon.com slash NixCast, where you can find what to. Well, if you go to patreon.com slash the NixCast, you can first of all see everything that we make. We try to make a public post where you can see whether it was youtube or a new release of our podcast any of that is all there it also is a place where you can become a patron and that means pledging a small amount even as little as a dollars a month to help us to make this podcast to keep it ad free to go out to cons to get all this really cool content and get it together to help out and that helps you because then you get to hear more amazing content uh, you get to hear from people like matt and from lots of other people who else have we got on here i can't remember but we've got lots of <laughs> lots of shows and you can check those at patreon.com slash the next guest and if you're on twitter and you'd like to join us in conversation or 
check out what we're talking about, what other people are talking about about us as well, you can search up that hashtag, hashtag Fanthro, hashtag F-A-N-T-H-R-O, because hashtag Fanthropological is just too long. <laughs> you only got 140 characters, yo. Yeah, that's not a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, before we move on to the to the last segment where we talk about famous last words, I got a question for you. Mm. Uh, you'd mentioned you have a podcast, uh, Matt is Wrong About Games. Yes. Uh, have you heard about a game called Chrono Trigger? Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts about Chrono Trigger, just like briefly? One of the greatest uh, Japanese RPGs, sprite-based RPGs of all time. Uh, I can't decide, can't decide <laughs> between that and Final Fantasy VI. Okay, well, first of oh, all, you're, you're, in the right, you're in good company. You're in good company. Yeah. Uh, you might be interested in this next little announcement that I was going to bring up. We are holding a, our third annual charity live stream event on August 12th, where we will be marathoning Chrono Trigger and trying to get all of its various endings to raise money for the Alzheimer's Society. If you or anyone else who is listening to this podcast is interested in that, you can check out raceagainsttime.io, or you can go to twitch.tv slash theraceagainsttime, and subscribe, and then when we start the event, you will know that it is going on. I legit didn't know where you were going with that when you said you had a question for him, man. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm sneaky. Ah ha ha. Ah ha ha. <laughs> okay, but with that, with that, we are going to do famous last words. Famous last words. First off, Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm going to start off with you. This is the part of the show where we ask a question about the following week's fandom. Unfortunately, you won't be here to join us. I won't? For it. Oh. I, I mean, well. <laughs> we, could, we could rename everything. Three I next thought I was going to change my name to Nick and just join you guys permanently. I mean, I'm... <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you send us all the documentation, you can probably <laughs> make that okay. Um, next week, we will be talking about fans of the cyberpunk genre. If you could ask any question about cyberpunk fans or fandom, or any of that, what would your famous last words be? Will Cyberpunk 2077 be the greatest game of all time? Question mark. Discuss, period. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Does that work? That's that's, great. That's great. That's Uh, what I'm looking forward to. Somebody's going to have to do a bunch of research on Cyberpunk 2077 and see if it sounds like it's going to be the greatest game of all time. Isn't that the game that decided it was going to trademark cyberpunk? Like literally the word uh, cyberpunk? I don't I think I heard something about that, yeah. Huh. But I th- I don't think they were able to. <laughs> I mean, probably not. <laughs> um all right. G, what do you got? Mine is sadly not that funny. How important is the punk to cyberpunks in 2017? All right. Z, what are your famous last words? Oh boy. Um, oh, my famous last words are uh, have the uh, graphics that cyberpunks make improved since the 1990s documentary about them called Cyberpunks featuring Somehow uh, I doubt it. a lot of William Gibson talking over you know, crude 90s 3D graphics that are animated. Oh, that's going to be a long discussion on that question for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> It'll be Philip Jeffries all over again. Who's who is Philip Jeffries? David Bowie. David Royce Carey. Yeah. No, David no, Bowie. No. Oh dear. Nope. Um, <laughs> man, all I'm right, not sweet. the editor of this podcast. That's a shame. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I really do appreciate all the work you do, Zeke. Uh, thank you. Dude. Even though I give you a hard time every episode. 
I was actually going to ask a question that's usually... I've been asking the same style as every week and be <laughs> kind of flippant. Is cyberpunk still a thing? Uh, did you not see the Blade Runner 2049 trailer today? I did not. <laughs> see, this is why these are so famous my last words. <laughs> I've already invalidated your question. <laughs> well, okay. Without getting into it too much, just, you know, there's the there's a difference between it still being a thing and people kind of remaking and reviving old franchises. Yeah. I guess, is the idea of cyberpunk still a thing? Or is it just an aesthetic? It's a genre or is it a movement? Et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. I sure hope Ghost in the Shell didn't ruin Blade Runner's chances. <laughs> uh, I liked Ghost in the he Shell. He liked it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I just mean it did horribly in the box oh, office. That That's true. That is. And then Blade Runner's like, hey, us too. We look like that kind of. Yeah. Oh. Are they trying to? Are they trying to attract new people or just people who are fans of the original Blade Yeah, I don't know. People who want to see a grumpy old Harrison Ford with a young sidekick. Kill off, <laughs> kill off another one of his beloved characters. <laughs> just, kill, just, for- just kill all of my characters. <laughs> I look forward to the director's cut of Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> I think that's the end of the podcast. Hooray. We did it. Good Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. See you in 25 years. That's in my opinion, anyways. Yeah. So do you? Yep. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you nope. can go ahead. Nope. Right. Okay. <laughs> after you, no. I after just, you. Mm-hmm. Um, being aggressively Canadian. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just wondering if if there's anyone for whom Twin Peaks is not Lynch enough. The joy of Doctor Who is that it's half crappy. <laughs> I think. All right. I want to go to In and Out. In or out, not in and out. <laughs> in and out burger. Yeah, let's go to In and Out. We can get some burgers. Let's go to In and Out. Get some. Ah, uh, I mean, if we were out on the Northwest, that's that would be something we could do. <laughs> that's my one regret going out there and not trying that. <laughs> oh. uh, I I had it while I was I was living in California for a little bit, and it was neat to go there. Now I can't go there. Uh, I've since become vegetarian, but it was the most interesting part of it was. Having the secret menu that everybody knew about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some secret. I did, uh, I did I mean, get to try Five Guys Burgers and Fries, and that was amazing. We have multiple Five Guys in London now. There's Wait, really? None here in the yeah. Maritimes that I know of. Oof. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you still have the McLobster? Uh, I think it's seasonal. Or is that okay? <laughs> I took a trip. I took a trip through the Maritimes once, and they had McLobster. I was like, "What? It's a dollar!" Um, All right, we are not going to In and Out, but we are going to move on to the next bit, which is In or Out. Uh, so, In or Out is the part of the show where we. How important is the punk to cyberpunks in 2017? All right, like like politically, yeah. Sorry, I'm just writing these down. Oh, okay, I see. Yep.
It's not for that, dramatic that, effect. That would be the reason for the stony silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. We're all writing it down. <laughs> oh, I gotta write this down. This... Yeah, this will be on the oh, test. Oh, you haven't been making notes. This is a dream, right? This is That's how Coop's dreams worked? Mm-hmm. He just woke up and his teeth fell out and... <laughs> <laughs> and he was, and he was doing naked speech. in front of his class. <laughs> yeah. uh, Z, what are your famous last words?